0: Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Graced Podcast. You're here with me, Gracie Monahan, and today, as you can see from the title, we are going to be talking about positioning yourself for provision. Now, something that I avidly believe, and you may have noticed that is a a very common theme in this podcast, is that God is our provision. I don't believe that we need to strive to have the things that other people have because God has already um, anointed us for wealth he has anointed us for his provision and i i don't believe that we are made to carry burden and anxiety and worry and stress and all the things that are deemed normal in today's society um, because God has not ordained us for that. And when Jesus Christ died, he didn't only die to be our salvation, but he died to be our provision. And in doing so, he set us free from the obligation of striving to produce um, what we need to survive and actually what we need to be a blessing to others, you know. I really do believe that God... God does bless us to be a blessing to others. And so the fact of the matter is that God wants to bless you with every perfect thing. He wants to bless you with perfect health. He wants to bless you with overflowing, abundant finances. He wants to bless you with a feeling of fulfillment and purpose because you are purposed. He wants you to know that you are loved. And he wants you to have a very good life a life in him a life founded in the peace and the provision that he has to give you but we still have this question in our heads of how do i position myself for this provision because the thing is we can go to church on a sunday and hear the preacher preach about how god wants to bless us we can read about all of god's promises in the bible and see that you know he he promises us promises us all of these things and we can know this but sometimes we don't feel it. In fact, a lot of the time we can be thinking, why is it that I know that God has this provision for me, but I'm still living in lack. I am not physically feeling his provision and I want to switch from a place of lack and of loss into a place of provision and gain. So. Today, I'm, I'm going to try and answer that question for you through the story of Job. Now, Job is a man in the Bible whose story was not easy. In fact, his path in life was extraordinarily difficult. It doesn't end there, though. That's the thing, is that it never ends there. Even though we go through very difficult things in our lives and, and we, we are very exposed to hardship, even as believers, God doesn't leave us there. And where God's grace finds us, we don't stay. We change, and he blesses us, and things happen. So let's get into the story of Job. Okay, so Job was a man who was described as somebody who feared God and shunned evil, somebody who was blameless and upright. And so obviously those are very good things. And he was extraordinarily wealthy in both uh, family and in cattle, which of course was the currency of the day, not so much anymore unless you go somewhere deep into Africa, but we aren't there. So back in the day, cattle was the thing and he had tons of it. He had sheep, he had 3000 camels and 500 ox. He had all sorts of things. So the man was blessed, but one day, It says this in the Bible, in Job 1, verse 6. And there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord, From going to and fro on the earth and walking back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? Job that there is none like him in the earth, a blameless and upright man, whom fears God and shuns evil. So Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and surely he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power, only do not lay a hand on his person. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Satan comes and robs Job of his property. His family dies and his health starts to deteriorate to the point where he just becomes very, very ill. And after each time, Satan is adamant that, yes, this time Job will curse God, but he doesn't. After all of that, he does not curse God. And of course, that is exactly contradictory to uh to his to Satan's plan there, but you know job didn't curse the Lord, but he did become extremely disheartened because think about it: he lost everything he lost his family, he lost his wealth, he lost his land, he even lost his health, he became so sick, and what began to happen is he he actually cursed the day of his birth in in job 3 if you read there you'll see this long long poem where it is the most it is the most depressing and pessimistic thing i think i've ever read because he is cursing the day he was born because of how devastating his loss has been and now after this time it, it Job is a long book, it's about, it's about 42 chapters, and most of it is of his suffering. Job suffered for an extremely long time, and there came a point where he doubted God's judgment. He, he was starting to, to wonder if God's judgment is even fair, and so how God responds to that I find quite amusing, actually. Because God challenges Job and he questions him. And I'm just going to read a little bit to you about what he says. Job 38, it says, I will question you and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me, if you have understanding, who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? to what were its foundations fastened or who laid its cornerstone or who shut the seas with doors when it burst forth and issued from the womb when i made the clouds its garments and thick Darkness, its swaddling blankets. When I fixed my limit for it and set bars and doors, when I said, This far you may come, but no further, and here your proud waves must stop. And there are about two chapters of God talking about His majesty in creation. And after this, Job is completely flabbergasted. He does not know what just hit him. But what actually happened was. He saw God. See, we can hear about how good God is. We can hear about somebody else's healing and that can build our faith and we we can know about all of these good things. But there is something that happens when we see and behold the majesty of God in our own lives. So this is Job's response to God. Listen, please, and let me speak. You said, I will question you and you shall answer me. I have heard you by hearing of the ear. But now my eyes see you. Therefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. Now Job 42 verse 12 says, Now the Lord blessed the latter days of Job, and more than his beginning, For he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, and 1,000 ox. And the list just keeps on going about the provision that God proceeded to give to Job. But what was the turning point? I truly do believe that if that one moment had not happened, where Job had just seen the glory of God, I think he would have stayed in a place of suffering. There's a reason why he stayed in suffering for so long. It's because he chose to. Now that sounds a little bit harsh, but it's true because as we go through life, we go through difficult things. We pick up things that drain us things that are heartbreaking things that are exhausting relationships that take more from us than give anything to us and the thing about it is that we almost carry it around like it's our obligation like it's going to somehow provide for us because we're living in it from a place of pity We live and we learn, but it's not always for the better. And sometimes those things, actually most of the time, those things we carry around with us are blocking our provision. And the biggest thing that is blocking us from our provision is us thinking that we are able to provide for ourselves within the realm of our purpose. How dare we have the audacity, but we all do, I do. We all sometimes think that, you know, I'll be fine on my own. I can provide for myself. I can do what needs to be done. I can produce to the standard that needs to be done at work or in school or in the realm of my purpose. I know what my purpose is. I can get me there. I can work the long hours. I can make the money and often it's for noble reasons. You need to provide for your family. I need, I need food on my table. We nobilize the things that are keeping us stuck. Oh yes, well I work this nine-to-five job because I need to feed my family. Yeah, you do. But God has a table made for your family. God has a provision for you that is better than what you can produce for yourself. But you have to let go of the thing that's keeping you stagnant. See, Job had this moment where he saw Jesus. And that was the transformation point. You can't change You can't be in a place of provision until you simply see Jesus. We as believers focus way too much on our love for God instead of his love for us. We focus more on how we should be spending time with Jesus, on how we should be loving him more, instead of simply thinking, you know what, I'm not enough, but God's love for me never failed. His love for me is unwavering and unceasing and is enough to carry me through what ails me. He loves me enough for my deficit. It's not on you to love Jesus as much as you think you need to. Because it's about his love for you. We all go through these moments where we're broken down. Where we feel like we've lost things. See, if you're looking for the provision of God in an area of your life, then there must be lack in an area of your life. There must be brokenness. There must be a void that needs to be filled with something. We all have it. But you need to understand that you will never be able to get yourself out of the lack. Never. Because the more you try, the more you will fail. But the more you depend on him, the more he will amaze you. It was in this moment that Job just saw the majesty of God. He saw it for a second, for a glimpse. He saw how God made every element of the universe, how he tied together the earth and the atmosphere and the clouds and the sea and the sky and every perfect thing beautifully orchestrated by one God. Nobody helped him. It was just our one God that did that. And it was when he stopped looking at himself and his circumstance and the things that were ailing him, And he said, this is so small. He thought, this is so small, because look at how great my God is. Look at how mighty and how strong he is. Sometimes when we focus on our circumstance, we lose sight of the greatness of God. That's what the enemy likes to do. He likes to get us to focus on the things that are irritating us, because when we do that, we somehow think that they're greater than God. Oh, that's happened to me so many times where I've had some sort of barking issue in my face and I focus on it for just a little bit too long. And then before I know it, it's a mountain in front of me. But to God, it's just a molehill. And the times where there have been transformation in my life have been the times where I've stopped looking at that thing and have looked at Jesus. You see, it says, I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and in ashes. You see, Job didn't repent and then see Jesus. You don't have to repent to see Jesus. Because that puts your faults first. That puts you first. He saw Jesus, he saw righteousness, he saw holiness, and then he repented because that puts the Lord first. We can't have transformation that is invoked by repentance and then have Jesus follow after. We have to have Jesus lead transformation that then leads to repentance, which is an outworking of grace. That's how we access our provision. Repentance is a word that is widely misconstrued, especially by the Christian community, because we associate it with some sort of guilt and nagging feeling of our wrongdoing, when in fact, repent means to change your mind. It is to rearrange your entire way of thinking, feeling, and being in order to forsake that which is wrong. It is to align yourself with God's will. But when you see Jesus, he aligns you. Your job is not to align yourself. It is simply to see the Lord. And therefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and in ashes. We have nothing to give the Lord. We have nothing to give to his majesty Except for our brokenness. And that's what happened in this moment. He saw the greatness of God. God changed him from the inside out. And then he said, I give you this. I give you my brokenness. I give you my suffering. I give you the difficulty that I've faced for so long. I give you my incorrect perspectives. And then, do you know what God gave back to him in return? He gave him a life of double provision. He gave him a life of restoration. He restored every single thing that was taken from him twofold. You see, it's the dust and the ashes that are holding us back. Sometimes we hold on to our suffering because it's justified. Sometimes we think that suffering can come without provision. But my friend, only the provision that you make for yourself comes with suffering. But the provision that Jesus has for you comes with joy, comes with peace, comes with knowledge of his love. So how do we behold Jesus? You may be thinking, you know what, Gracie, I go to church on a Sunday. I read my Bible. I pray. Is that not seeing Jesus? Not necessarily. You can do all of those things and still not see Jesus. Do you know why? Because God meets you. When you let go, when you simply let go, God will give you a glimpse. Jesus will give you a glimpse of himself. Stop trying. Stop striving. Stop reaching when the blessing is in front of you. You're just blocking it. We all do. But when you let go, that beautiful blessing just rains upon you because you've seen Jesus. And then you know what? Once you've seen him, it's hard not to see him because you read the Bible and the word becomes alive. When you give God your lack, he gives you his gain. So if you want to step into what God has for you, it's time to give him your suffering. Say, Lord, I can't bear this weight anymore, but your yoke is easy and your burden is light and I receive your provision. His provision comes with peace so give him the things that are robbing you of your peace have you got a broken heart from relationships that have hurt you are you battling with unforgiveness are you struggling with financial pressure that is crippling it doesn't matter what it is it only matters if you hold on to it because if you hold on to it it will prohibit you from your destiny it'll inhibit your provision from coming to you But if you let it go, give it to the Lord. He will cause you to repent. He will align you. He will change you from the inside out. And then you don't even have to try to get rid of the things that are breaking you because they just fall off. Just like a tree, old fruit, rotten fruit falls off of the tree and new life comes. That's what the Lord wants to do. That's what the provision of the Lord looks like. It's not difficult, it comes with great ease. So, if you're ready to step into the provision that God has for you today, let me offer you this one encouragement. You don't even have to step into it because when you are positioned, He meets you there. So, let God position you by giving him your sorrow let god position you for blessing by giving him your hurt and your pain and your insecurity because when you do that you behold him you see jesus you feel his love you feel his goodness and that love is stronger than any of the of the difficulty we'll face in this life that love is greater so if you are ready step into what he has for you then surrender and as we go into this week i just want to i want to tell you that where grace finds you it doesn't leave you even though you might be in a season of difficulty right now and it feels like you're not feeling the provision of the lord don't forget that it's still there all you have to do is rest in him that's it give him your hardship give him the difficulty And watch change start to happen. I will see you again next week. And I really pray that you have an incredible week filled with the love, the blessing, the prosperity and the provision of the Lord. And I'll see you again next week.